Welcome to the MetaView Podcast. Here, these non-fungible conversations, they will yield you great knowledge and perspective. But beware, they might also make your brain go boom. So watch your step, because this rabbit hole goes deep. Good luck and have fun. Welcome, Visa, to the MetaView podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you, but our listeners don't necessarily know you, so would you mind giving a brief intro to yourself? Oh, sure. So, hi, my name is Visa. Uh, most people usually know me from Twitter, where I tweet a lot. Uh, I'm the author of a couple of books. So, my first book was called Friendly Ambitious Nerd, which is a kind of a guide to being prolific online and making friends and uh, just having a good time on the internet. Someone described it as, it's like Marcus Aurelius's meditations for Twitter addicts, which I really like. And uh, my second book is called Introspect. And it's basically, it's basically a self-help book. Uh, it's remixing Emerson, Nietzsche, Joseph Campbell. It's just kind of a, the self-help book that I wish someone had written for me. So yeah, I'm an author. I've written a couple of books. I tweet a lot. People on Twitter tend to know me as the guy that does very elaborate Twitter threads with lots of quote tweets and a lot of interconnected threads about all kinds of nerdy topics. And uh, yeah, I'm always encouraging people to make friends online and to kind of try and cultivate productive, fun scenes where people can make friends and do interesting stuff together. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you're not uh, like a usual guest for the MetaView podcast because uh, in this podcast, I try to get like people who have this sort of a bigger picture view and talk about like uh, global uh, trend shifting, whatever. Uh, but you're like uh, more down to earth and like uh, more practical. And I, I really like that. I do also have, you know, grand schemes. And, uh, you know, if you've seen my Domino's meme, it starts out with people making friends, but the idea is really to build a global network of friendly, ambitious nerds in all over the world, every major city. And the long-term end game is quite ambitious, you know. So it, it starts out very down to earth, but the, the end goal is very... Uh, I mean, we're not there yet, but as we kind of get more and more people involved in that worldview i think we will be able to do bigger and bigger things so it is it is pretty grand yeah that makes sense but it's like uh it's more practical it's not like so up in the air like it starts it starts with something uh, so super simple like follow your interests be a friendly ambitious nerd and like it all flows from there it's not like it's not starting with the bigger picture and that's what i that's what i like for change and uh yeah you want to talk more about uh being a friendly ambitious nerd and the uh, the book that you wrote Sure. Uh, so I never actually set out to write that book in particular. You know, I've just... So for me, it's something that's always come very naturally. I grew up reading a lot of books in libraries and I've always loved libraries. And when I encountered the internet, I felt that the internet was like a super library that I could publish to directly. So for me, it always almost had a, a semi-religious kind of... Like the, the internet is my home, it's my church, it's, it's this place that I view very um it's very precious to me 
and you know it it took me a while to realize that not everybody feels that way so i've 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 always just been the way i am and i've always been very optimistic very earnest uh and you know i i used to do i used to play in a band and even in in the band that i used to play in we used to try and kind of advocate for our local music scene to be more you know kind of have more people get involved be think bigger and kind of be more welcoming and and grow the scene and so i would write about that sort of thing all the time and people would respond well to that and people would ask me hey you know i like your tweets i like your like blog posts like do you have a book you know i w- i would love to buy your book if you have a book and so i found myself thinking all right like i could write about a bunch of different things but whatever your first book is going to be is going to be the book that people will introduce you as the author of it will kind of define you and so i came up with friendly ambitious nerd actually by asking people what they liked about the stuff i was already writing and people would say oh you know you're so encouraging you're always asking people to be friendlier to one another to get better at kind of responding encouragingly you're always asking people to be more prolific to write more do more and you're always like doing all these very like curious exploratory threads about, like i would out be curious about something and then go like on wikipedia and read stuff and piece together some notes and whatever i think is interesting so like when i assembled all the feedback that people gave me about what they liked about my writing i found that oh it's like stuff about being a better friend stuff about being more ambitious and stuff about being very curious so i i assembled all of that into my first book called friendly ambitious nerd and it was you know i i just found myself having a good time on the internet and <laughs> that's not as common as i wish it were and as i think many people would wish it were and so yeah so the book is really a consolidation of all of the things that i think have helped me have a good time on the internet and i just want to help more people also have a good time on the internet makes sense and then what would you recommend to the to the younger people to people who like didn't experience all this like the quote unquote old internet but just like join straight into this inter- internet of like one big arena or like a f- a few big arenas like twitter tiktok whatever i mean you can still you can still you know find people that you resonate with that you feel like you you like if if you have an exchange with someone that you thought went kind of well and you like it like you should dm them and you can dm them right you can make friends and and i i think these days like youngsters as well they have more of a sense of like you don't need any one online identity to be your entire experience so you can have multiple alts like even on like on instagram they have like finsters and i don't know how they do it on tiktok but like you can have multiple accounts and you can you know you can have like locked accounts you can follow people that you trust and have them follow you back and so you can kind of create these like micro clusters of relatively quiet spaces where it's not so chaotic and i i mean i think it's a very natural human impulse to want different degrees of intimacy and exposure at different scales so even even in real life right like we at home we lock our doors and we are we have privacy for ourselves at home and you can invite friends over if you want and then you can go to like a cafe which is like there's a bit more interaction but it's still kind of limited to whoever is in the cafe and then you can go to like a public park or a festival or like you know some um city square town square 
And so every one of these different spaces has different vibes and different amounts of exposure to strangers. And so, yeah, the, my, my recommendation is to try and like have different scales of exposure to public or to like strangers. And then, um, I mean, you, you got to ask yourself what, what do you want? You know, like, do you just want to observe what everyone else is doing? Like, if, if that's the case, that's pretty straightforward. You don't need to do anything. But if you want to be a creator, right? If you want to talk out loud about stuff, you want to have conversations, um, you, there is a bit of a learning curve as you discover how people respond to whatever you do. That can be, I, you know, I, so for me, I went through that a long time ago, so I, I kind of take it for granted. But it can be disorienting and overwhelming sometimes, especially if you are getting, you know, if you said something wrong or and people are mad at you or stuff like that. But, you know, it happens and it's rarely the end of the world. And you can usually talk to more experienced people and ask them how to think about it. And usually they'll say stuff like, just take a break come back like every like what seems urgent and chaotic in the moment usually like in a few days everything spills over, everything kind of blows over so yeah try to try to relax <laughs> which i know is just not it's not easier said than done but it, it helps to i think to to reflect on longer term cycles so i do recommend reading like biographies of people right you really get a sense of how over the scale of a human lifetime, like decades come and go, right? Like entire new technologies come and go, entire new media opportunities, all, all kinds of things can change. And like the whole world looks different every five to seven years or so. So you don't need to, as, as long as you're not doing anything too crazy, like you don't really need to worry that much. Right. So would you say like the, the a big part of uh, both of those questions goes back to just like following your interests and like curating your experience or being a friendly nerd. <laughs> cool. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about being more about uh, being a friendly, ambitious nerd and like uh, making friends online and uh, all of that sort of stuff. How would you recommend people to start doing that? Like somebody who just... Uh, got online and created their Twitter account or whatever and like they're trying to find their place and meet people right yeah so the first thing you should do if you have if you just have a new Twitter account and you want to start making friends is even before you start replying to people you should try and just dump a bunch of thoughts about whatever it is that you are interested in on your timeline which can be a little bit you know if you feel like no one is following you yet that might seem strange but you can just think out loud about whatever it is that you like and you can post you know you can post links to whatever you like your favorite tv shows or your favorite you know whatever's interesting to you whatever you're curious about the point of that like your first 50 to 100 tweets or whatever is so that when you then reply to other people when they see your profile they can make an informed decision about whether or not they want to follow you back so like yeah have your first let's say let's say 20 to 50 tweets or just to show that you're active and that you have some thoughts uh the next important thing is to have your bio be something that signals what to expect when people are interacting with you right so you really want to put yourself in the shoes of someone who is looking at your profile and wondering if they should reach out, wondering if they should reply, wondering if they should be friends, right? So uh, I recommend, you know, listing out your a couple of your interests and you could say, you know, expect tweets about X or reply to me about Y, right? Like like give people something of an, of an in, right? Give them a, 
I wouldn't say a script, but just give them a prompt, right? Give them give them a, an idea of, oh, if I'm curious about this person, if I want to talk to this person, here's what I can do and they will like it. Uh, once you have that, a bunch of tweets and a bunch of uh, like a decent bio. Uh, and if you have like a personal website, that's great. You can link to it in your in your bio as well. Then after that, it's all about, I'd say, good reply game. Like follow humans, like don't follow and follow like people with not too many followers. So I wouldn't actually recommend following someone with like tens of thousands of followers. I would recommend looking for people who follow about a thousand-ish people, some like less than a thousand to maybe a couple of thousand. And similarly with like anywhere from dozens, a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand followers so that you know that anything that you reply, they will likely see it. So if you're curious about like friendly, ambitious nerd Twitter, right? If you follow me on Twitter and you look at my following list the people i'm following a lot of them are I, I tend to follow people who are good conversationalists who like to respond encouragingly and stuff so you can go through that list and follow interesting people and if you reply to them with like whatever they are talking about you just share your own perspective share your own like kind of uh, you know be supportive and try to be encouraging when you do that people people will follow you back like i mean you, you can't guarantee that every single person you talk to is going to follow you back but like if you show up repeatedly and and try to be interesting in, or like share what you think is interesting, like from there that's how the ball the ball starts rolling. And once you have a couple of people following you back, then it's it's fun. Then now you can you can start to, you know, it kind of it's kind of like logging on to Twitter becomes like going to a coffee shop where you know all your friends are or like you know there are cool people who are interested in talking. And yeah, you can do this with with any interest, right? So you can even go on Twitter search and search for whatever topics you are interested in right whether it's blockchain stuff crypto stuff whether it's it's uh you know i have this twitter thread about how to be a sword guy like if you decide to have an interest in swords like weapons like you can actually look up people you can you can do a search you can like hashtag sword and see who's who is posting like whatever they have and and you can just follow those people who have the same interest and then you can just you know, you, you kind of wait to see if there's anything nice you can say. And then you just kind of linger around for a while and, and slowly you'll just kind of pick up context clues. You'll get a sense of what people care about and, and you can start replying. And yeah, then once you have a, like a couple of dozen people following you back, like you're pretty much, you know, you're part of a, a scene or your community and you can you can start to feel more and more involved and invested. That makes sense. And uh, would you say you always... Uh like you always knew specifically what your interests are and what uh, what threads you should follow, or like did you did it like did you feel lost at times and like trying to figure out like what uh, what drives you? Uh, I've been around for so long. I I I must have been confused. I mean, I mean when I was a, even when I was a kid, I guess I was very into video games and and yeah, I I never really had trouble finding them. So I was always interested in a lot of things. So it's if, if you had asked me to narrow it down to one or two things, then I would probably have been like struggled. But you know, the cool thing about Twitter and the internet is that you can really just follow everything that you're interested in. You know, often like if there are books that you like, like you can search for a book on Twitter that you like and you will see other people who have mentioned that book and and you can make friends that way right if you search for a movie and especially like the so if it's like the super popular stuff like star wars or something like there tends to be loads of people talking about it and it can be kind of chaotic uh, but like if you search for stuff that's slightly more obscure 
then you will find that people who are more eager to have conversations about those things. So like look through your list of favorite movies, favorite books, favorite authors, you know, and, and all those things and then search for those people. And that is usually a better way to, to find people who will respond. But I mean, also, I, I mean, I, I do think you, that, that's not to say you can't talk about like popular interests. It's just going to be a bit more chaotic because you don't know if people are going to see you if there's like thousand replies to something. Right. So if there's a thousand replies to something, I usually wouldn't bother replying because the odds of someone seeing it is low. So I try to focus on anywhere where you th- where replying would be likely to be noticed. I think that's a especially when you're starting out and, and nobody knows who you are. Like trying to leave decent replies or curious replies, asking questions, right? That that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I do think that doing good replies early on so even if you're a if you're a nobody, if you're like if you have like zero followers, but you're following some like micro celebrities or you know like podcasters or, or vloggers or whatever and you post thoughtful stuff in their replies like their other followers will notice and follow you back and and that's how you can kind of get started until you have enough of your own audience to tweet at them right yeah but generally it's easier to to get started by finding more niche uh, topics and people because yeah you're not competing with thousands of people I think that makes sense. And then, what uh, what other advice would you give to people who like, and like, why would why should people become be friendly, ambitious nerds? Oh man, it's so it's so. Once you have friends around the world, who I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be around the world, but I think if you if you're going by interest, you will find people all over. But you know, I, I hear from so many people that like they have some friends from school or wherever else and they hang out, but they don't really get to discuss their deepest curiosities and interests at great length because they might not just have that much depth in common. Uh, and the people that I know, when they finally get a chance to like really explore their deepest curiosities and share their their deepest feel I mean maybe not their deepest deepest feelings but this share stuff that they've been thinking and feeling that their friends might not be interested in and then you find someone else who's also interested like that's just so um it's so humanizing it makes people feel heard and seen right it's the opposite of of loneliness right like you really just feel taken care of even like that that people respond positively to the things that you care about like that that it might be it might be a bit of a struggle to get the first few people when you're starting out it's worth struggling because once you have that it just life just feels so much more nourishing i would say like you know i i I, i'm excited to wake up every day and and check in on what my friends are doing like all over the world like what's everyone up to you know and it's, it's just so fun and if you keep at it, like I am now at a stage where like I can probably go to any major city in the world and like there will be someone who knows me who wants to like pick me up from the airport and show me around. And, and that's just such a, it's such a gift. It's such a privilege to have that. And anyone who, if, if you're like moderately smart, I don't think you need to be a genius. I think you just need to be you know, thoughtful enough to, to be able to think and consider things. Like, if you're moderately intelligent and you're thoughtful about it and, and you're just willing to, like, 
and you don't even need to like work super hard at it like every day like you're gonna you know I mean I know some people who've done that I know some people who are like okay this month I'm just gonna tweet like hell and make as many friends as possible like you can do that and if you're inclined to do that I do recommend it because it's worth kind of front loading that stuff but even if you don't even if you're just kind of casually hanging out but with the mindset that there are the world is so big right and there are people like you out there that you haven't met yet right so that was the thought that really kind of got me going when i was starting out and i was a nobody i was like surely there are other people like me elsewhere in the world somewhere like i can't be you know like i'm like maybe my 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 friends in real life they might not be huge nerds but like i can't be like one in a billion, right? I must be like one in a thousand or something like that. One in 10,000 maybe. And the internet allows you to find the other one in 10,000 people. And the best way to find those people is to like write stuff. Or I guess you can also make like YouTube videos or TikToks or whatever. But to make stuff that functions as like a beacon for other people to find you. And once you do that, eventually your people will find you. And then it's like day and night. Like life becomes so much more fulfilling when you have people who care about what you care about you know share your aspirations and dreams and and values right and like when you meet someone who's just like you in that in the, in the ways that you care about it's so easy to to want them to do to do well to want them to be happy and successful and you want to see them succeed and you can then feel comfortable and confident that they feel that way about you as well. And that's just such a great feeling. And if, if, if it's something, if there are things that you, you care about, if you're a writer, right, or if, you're, if you make stuff, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, whatever, you find your other people and then who are doing the same thing or doing parallel, similar things, then you can like challenge each other to do better work, right? And, and you know, because you know that there's an audience, like that you have friends who are interested in what you're doing. Like you actually... You know, you want to impress each other. You want to show off and like have a good time. And so people become better at their craft by being in a scene of friends who also care about the same thing. So the, yeah, there's just, there's just infinite possibility once you find your people. Mm, right, yeah, like instant friends. And like as soon as you're vibing with someone, it's like much more likely that uh, everything will go well, like regardless of like just your own interests or like doing things together or whatever. Makes sense. And uh, you also write about how to network as an introvert. Does, uh, does any of that uh, talk about the real world? I think that's kind of where a lot of introverts struggle the most. Networking in the real world for introverts. I mean, that's, that's challenging. So my wife is an introvert. And so my joke is, which is true, is that if you can find one extrovert who likes you and they adopt you, right, then you can basically lean on them and ask them to like introduce you or you know like you don't necessarily need to do everything yourself so even even this whole friendly ambitious nerd thing like if someone's listening and they're like i can't do that you know that's just so much work and it's not my vibe and it's not my style like that's also fine you know like you don't need to i I wouldn't recommend like pressuring yourself and pushing yourself to be someone that you don't feel like you are you might be into something entirely different like you might want to just make stuff but not talk about it that much and that's that's also fine but like the logic of the marketplace is such that you know like whatever it is like if you have a job right like you need like and most jobs that you could have it would involve you contributing to a to some 
effort as a collective, as a team, and then the output of that team get interfaces with something else. So it's like if eventually there's a proxy to the market. So like somebody in the company or in the business like has to be the extrovert or the outgoing person who goes out and talks to customers or goes out and finds business or whatever. And the same dynamics apply where so even if we're talking about like social lives and stuff, like if you are not an extrovert then like if you are not a networker like willing to talk to lots of people, you still have to you don't have to, but like if you don't know anyone at all and you don't talk to anyone at all, then you're gonna have a, a bad time because even introverts need, you know, some social life at some point. Like you need you need a job. You need you know to find a partner if unless you're aromantic, I guess. But the I share all of these like how to be a good friend, how to be a networker kind of thing, so that it democratizes the skill set for anybody who wants it, but not everyone wants it. So if you don't want it, that's fine, but then you are going to be reliant on the people who are your access to it. So, you know, in, in like the traditional model of like an artist and a manager or an artist and a record label or whatever, like they say, oh, you just make the music and then the manager and the record label take care of everything else. Uh, I do find that historically that kind of relationship can get a bit one-sided and it can get a bit exploitative because whoever controls the means of distribution gets to set the price, right? They get to set the terms. Like if you're, if you're relying on them, so even if it's, it's just whoever, whoever is like holding access to the network of people that functions as a proxy of the market, like that's, there's just so much wealth and power and value in, in that you know, so if you are an introvert, I hope you find someone that you can trust to be a proxy for you. Like that's, I would not feel comfortable like relying on like one or two people for my social graph needs. But you know, each every all mileage may vary. Every person is different. But yeah, that's how it goes. Would you say the recommend more so that people? not rely so much on other people or more so that like they find the right people to rely on like then like do things with friends yeah i mean i mean so i mean we we have to rely on people one way or the other right like we don't grow our own food right like this that we don't build our own infrastructure like to be human is to rely on other people but the thing is to try and be smart about it and and to not end up overly relying on someone that you don't trust right or you don't or you can't like you want to have options at least Right, so like even in business or whatever, right? Like you, whether you're buying a phone or you're using a some kind of contract, you want to know that there are like competitors to the brand that you're using, so that if this doesn't work out, you can switch to the other thing, and that just keeps people more honest. And I mean, I don't know if I want to make a super strong comparison between like uh corporate <laughs> brands and and people, but. Even with people, you know, it's like if you're really needy, like some of the sad things that happen in, in relationships, whether it's romantic relationships or, or like friendships and stuff, is when, is when someone doesn't feel like they can make friends. And so they are super reliant on like the approval of some existing friend or partner. And then that person can feel it like, oh, this person is so needy and, and dependent on me and like, like I am like no nobody wants to feel completely responsible for someone else's 
like well-being like it's it's a it's a difficult enough time being responsible for ourselves and so yeah you want to try and cultivate some independence and you want to try and be okay with things not always working out and and have some options right like d- don't be way too reliant on on any one thing but i'm not saying i'm not saying like be this hyper individualistic don't trust anyone don't rely on any one person either i think that's that's not a healthy way to live and it's not a fun way to live but uh just kind of go into things with your eyes open yeah yeah i was gonna say like how how much of your your own work would you say is like uh cooperative play versus a single player but it's kind of a dumb question because like even the writing that you do is like comes from a lot of uh, conversations with other people and like that feedback loops exactly yeah and so like yeah once people have a, this sort of a stable base and know their interests and like they have friends and all like how do they become prolific <laughs> so you don't even need to actually have friends or a stable base to be prolific like uh so f- For me, it's like being, it's so simple. It's really just whatever it is that you like, just do a lot of it. And the thing here is that most people's intuitions, I think, are calibrated according to social norms. So it's like, if you, you don't really see many people publishing every day, like like publishing a lot of writing every day. So there's no reason why you can't, you know, like it's... it's uh, I find it helpful just to tell people that you can write a lot. Like you can write more than you think you can write. And if you want to be a good... And it's a, I'm saying writing because that's my favorite thing to do. But it could be anything, right? It could be writing songs. It could be making videos, making movies. Like people underestimate how much they can accomplish. And I, I don't even mean... So, and like I think when you want to get good at something, you have to... There is some amount of volume of output that is inescapable and i mean you can get we can get into some arguments about like oh how much time should you spend making each thing or like how much review and study and like should you do as a as a per unit of of work produced but i would say as long as you're look, go, looking at your work with eyes open and you're trying like a best effort ish right like a like a 60 to 70% best effort most of the time like you will learn things just by doing a lot of stuff like some people are like emotionally averse to not putting in like 110% into like so let's let's say you want to become a songwriter right and then you you you're writing your first song and then you spend like weeks and weeks on your first song because you want it to be really good but the problem is if you're a brand new songwriter and you've you're writing your first song not only are you not good at writing songs yet you also don't even have a strong sense of what a good song is so you shouldn't spend too much time making your first song because it's going to be bad no matter what so you should instead of trying to write one good song and it's still going to be bad no matter what you should write a few different bad songs and once you've written like five to ten bad songs you can compare all of them and you can be like well what's bad about this one what's which which one is the least bad you know what do i like more what do i like less what do i like about this one you know and then you can start experimenting and you can mess around with it and the, my argument is that the faster you go through this process um the faster you will learn and so like if you write a hundred songs and like 
it's very difficult to write a hundred songs that are all bad. Like you, even if you try on purpose, like I'm gonna write a hundred bad songs, like at least like five of them will be surprisingly good by accident. And then as long as you have some taste and you you have some sensitivity, you're like, oh shit, I accidentally made a good song here. Like that's still yours, and you can then you know throw away the ninety five songs that were bad and keep the five songs that are good. And as long as making songs or writing or like producing stuff is affordable, like in in most and you know in this day and age with with like our media costs, like recording videos and uploading them to YouTube is free, right? So like recording podcasts is basically free. Like all these things are free. So you might as well just do as much as you can and like let external forces sort it out, like what's good and what's not. And then you can yeah you can always delete stuff if you don't like it and and stuff like that. But it's way 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 better than like agonizing over one thing when you're not yet good at anything. And so usually usually the thing people struggle with here is like they want things to be good, but they don't want to accept that they have to make bad stuff to get to good. <laughs> and when people are like that, they they get stuck because there's no way to get good without first being bad. So you really just have to, if you like something and you want to get good at it, you just have to accept the fact that you're gonna be bad at it first. And you, if you're really shy, you can try and be bad about it in private. You can like make a bunch of stuff on on a secret, or, or you know don't have to tell anyone, or you can use a fake name or whatever. Just make a bunch of bad stuff, and then you just have as you increase the volume of output and you examine it, you will get better at it. And then it's so satisfying to be good at stuff. In life, right? whatever it is that you're making, and the other cool thing is, let's say you've recorded a hundred songs. Even if all hundred songs are not that great, you will learn things in the process of making a hundred songs, right? So even with my videos, like I made when I was making YouTube videos, I made about like I think seventeen videos of me just talking into my webcam before I started to notice that hey, like the lighting actually makes a difference in how nice the video looks, and so I like. Almost like seventeen videos in, I started thinking, "Oh, how should I adjust my camera such that the lighting is nicer?" And then you start thinking about sound. You start thinking about like there are all these new considerations that start coming up very organically. And even if all hundred things you make is not super great, you will learn stuff. And the stuff that you learn will be interesting to other people who also want to make those things. And it's also it's interesting to anyone. I think if you're like a din- at a dinner party or something, and you be like, and people ask you, "Oh, what do you do?" It's like, "Oh, I just." I just finished recording a hundred songs, right? Like, oh, what was that like? You know, what was the experience? What do you learn? And so, when you have a story, so being prolific is a is a journey that you undertake, and journeys are always interesting. You you're now a traveler in a sense, right? And and once you have interesting stories, that becomes a uh, an angle that you can use to have conversations with people. So now you know being prolific helps you make more friends. Right? Just like everything, just kind of. Fits on itself. That makes com- complete sense. Yeah, a lot of people want like the the magic solution, or like they take all the considerations before getting started, and then they get discouraged after doing two two things. But it really comes down to like doing a lot of things, like a lot of repetition, like do a hundred yeah. of the same thing, and be okay with it being bad. You know, just just tell yourself that oh, I'm in my my beginner era or whatever, right? Like like. Tell yourself that you'll reserve quality for after your like for your hundred and one, your hundred and first video or song or podcast. Then it'll be good, right? If you watch, I think there's this video of like Joe Rogan's first podcast, and it's like the first fifteen minutes he couldn't even connect to the internet or something. Like it's like it's just terrible. 
And it's like that's just the way it is. Like like you 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 can't expect to be good before you start. So commit to doing stuff badly on purpose. And even if if people make fun of you or whatever, like take it in your stride and be like, well, you know, I'm a beginner, and uh, like thanks for feedback or whatever, and like uh, check back in a hundred videos, right? But that kind of thing. And when you can have that confidence, uh, you know, just just that belief that you will get better with experience like that that is very uh it's very freeing as well like you don't need to worry about it's like it's really becomes a you don't have to worry about how good something is it's really you just trust the process and and you al- allow the process to make better and better work and you're almost like a witness to the process rather than like the person in charge right yeah, and then it comes, kind of becomes this uh, self-motivating loop, as you said, like as you get better and you're happy with it and then like pushes you forward. Makes sense. And, uh, we don't have a lot of time uh, left, but I do want to touch on uh, good marketing. Like marketing in some places has started to have a bad name and like uh, in, in crypto, there's a lot of projects that are all marketing and uh, very little substance. So like uh, what is good marketing and how to do good marketing? Yeah, I've been thinking. So I've been thinking about this a lot. So I, I used to work in software marketing in my previous day job, and I would say the main thing that makes marketing bad usually is the insistence on like immediate outcomes. So it's like the pushiness and the neediness to be like, I need you to buy this thing now. You know, I need you like limited time offer. Like trying to to manufacture FOMO and trying to like really rush people into something that they might not be ready for. And marketing doesn't have to be that way, but there is like a kind of sad optical illusion where most people will remember the worst marketing they've encountered, the most frustrating, annoying pop-ups and stuff. And that's what they will associate with marketing. But what I think of as good marketing is you have you have to be patient. You're like, I'm not going to rush anyone into like buying our stuff or whatever. And it's really more about understanding. So, so I mean, for whatever marketing you're doing, it's like for some product or some, you know, community or some idea or whatever. And people need, you know, products or ideas or like, like there, there is this, this idea space, right? Like, so people have problems, right? And, and products should be solutions to those problems. And marketing, I would say, is about understanding that problem space as well as you can and being a participant in that problem space to help people understand problems and solutions better. So if you, if you try and imagine, let's say you want, uh, let me pick something random. Let's say you want to buy like, a, or you think you want to, play music, right? I was already brought up music earlier. So let's say you think you want to play music, but you don't really know what you want. And like you go to a music store, right? With a bunch of, with a bunch of equipment and stuff. And imagine there's a really great, just having a really great experience. Like, what is that like? Like, so there's this music technician or sales guy or whatever. And he's, he's like, Hey, how can I help you? Right. And then you're like, Oh, you know, I, I, I decided that I want to play music, but I don't know where to start. And I don't know what I should do. Then he'll start, he'll start asking you questions, right? Like, like what kind of, what kind of music do you like, you know? And like, what, what's your favorite band? Or what, 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 how do you f- feel like playing? Like, he would ask you a bunch of questions and try to help you understand what your preference are, preferences are. And at the end of that interaction, if, if he does his job well in helping you understand your own challenges well, like, 
at the point where you're gonna where you decide to buy something, it's not gonna feel like he's pushing you to buy it. It's rather you should feel like you made that choice yourself, right? And uh, and you you were presented with that choice, you know, in a, in a way that made you feel confident about what you were doing, right? And he tells you, I I think this is better for that. This is better for this. Blah blah blah. And assuming they're honest, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I can talk to the, talk about this for hours, but like uh, basically good marketing, I would say it, it should respect the consumer. It should respect the person's time and attention and what their needs are. And I, I also say like play long games, you know, like life is so short and it's so tragic if you spend like your precious time on this earth, like trying to scam people into buying something that's not good for them. Like why not? I mean, I, maybe I'm a bit idealistic, but I, I've always been like this. Like why not advocate for products that you really like, things that you think are really useful, things that you enjoy. And, you know, if it's stuff that you really care about and you think it's actually helpful to people, then you can cultivate a reputation for being actually useful to people. And that's something that the value of that really compounds over time. And I think some people just don't think very far ahead. They're just like, oh, you know, I got to get a job now and I got to pay the bills now and I would like, you know, some fancy stuff now or soon. So I'm not going to think too much about this. But if you take the trouble to cultivate a reputation for being honest and for trying to help people get good deals and, and you know, like in every interaction I have with anybody that works with me in any capacity, I want them to feel like they got more than their money's worth, right? And so while that might mean I, you know, like there have been times where I slightly undercharge for something and so on, uh, I don't. I don't mind because in the long run, like everyone that you talk to who has ever worked with me will recommend, like, oh yeah, working with Visa is a great idea because he's he's just great, you know. And w- once you reach that stage, which comes from like j- doing a bunch of stuff that is like not necessarily immediately obviously lucrative, you you do that and and you have a reputation that precedes you and people want to work with you and then at that point like you can like do whatever you want almost you know uh, i'm it, i'm i'm still some way off from that but like i've i've witnessed enough people doing that that i just think it's a it's a better way to live and you know it feels good it feels good to be honest and to know that everyone who interacts with you and works with you gets a good deal and is happy for having done it and it does take more work but like Again, if you actually care about people and you make sure that you work with people that you care about and you want like long-term healthy relationships with people, like that's that's the obvious way to go, right? As opposed to like, I mean, what is even the point? Like if you find some way to scam people and get rich quick and pump and dump or whatever. And then like in a few years, you know, maybe you have some money, but like, you know, Im- imagine like all your friends are also the people that, did pump and dump stuff with you and you're all kind of like do you trust them you know like <laughs> do they trust you like like what 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 right like at the at the end of the day life is short and and you want like good people in your life i think that's the that's the deepest wealth it's like real good relationships with people you trust right yeah so it mainly comes down to like thinking short term versus uh, long term like yeah i think that's i think that's a nice way to put it like just really you know, like if you want to build a company, like think about how can you make the company a great place to work, you know, over like 10 years plus and, and like people like to work there. People you know, like 
the trust the product, trust the customer support, the the co- company culture. Like it's it's such a, a a a nice thing to do to like build a healthy culture where people can feel happy and and trust that their work will be valued and all of those things. Uh, yeah, like so it's it's so much more gratifying, I think. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And then with this uh, short term, long term, also like. It reminds me of uh, what I wanted to ask you previously, like when you said that, like you don't have to have the the stable basis to become prolific prolific at something. And then the the question is like the how much does being prof- prolific correlate with uh, happiness? And like people have this notion, like if you if you want to be really successful at something, like uh, you're not supposed to uh, spend too much time socializing. You're not gonna like focus on the family, on like relationship and that sort of stuff. You just like have to like grind at what you want to be super successful at and then there's a lot of people who seems like that are successful but not very happy and you kind of uh, it looks like you you got both i try yeah so what would you recommend um i mean each person needs to face themselves in the mirror or you know go on a long walk by themselves and ask themselves really like what kind of life do you really want you know what really makes you happy what really fulfills you? Why do you do what you do? What do you care about? And like for me, my driving thing is I often think about what it was like when I was a kid. And I used to feel like lonely and isolated and like, uh, you know, I'm al- so I'm always thinking about the next kid like myself out there. And so I, I get a lot of satisfaction from helping people and trying to find the next person like myself to help. And when I get feedback from people like that, they DM me and stuff, like it makes my whole day, week, month, like to have made a positive difference to people. Uh, and maybe not everyone is motivated by that kind of thing. So it, it depends on, like, there's, it's really not a contest. I think Montaigne said, like, on your deathbed, like no clever words and no rationalization and all that will help. Like you really come face to face with you know, were you proud of your life? Like, you are the final decider about whether or not you had a, a life that you are proud of. And, yeah, so, I mean, success is success in, like, conventional sense is nice to have, I guess. But, like, uh, I, I do think you have to ask, like, who are you sharing it with? Okay, the thing I would recommend is, like, study the lives of the people that you admire, like, closely, and and see how they talk about it. Because you'll find there are a lot of people who are, like, successful conventionally and unhappy, like you said, right? I think I remember reading um, about Shaquille O'Neal, who was saying that, oh, I have this very big house, but, like, I'm all alone in this house, and it's like, no, but, like, you know, and it's, I mean, I, I think he's doing better now, but, like, there, there, there are trapping. There are things about traditional success that people chase. I think without thinking very much. Like they just kind of assume that oh, everyone seems to celebrate them, therefore they must be happy. But like the celebrations, you know, they, they, it's, it's very fleeting. It's like you get, you know, like I think athletes will say like the podium finish with a gold medal and everyone cheering for you. That's like you know, a day, like a week maybe. And then you go back to your life. And it's like for an athlete like that, it's like that life is training, training, training every day for years and years. So you better, and if you want to be an athlete, like it's more important that you enjoy the training than you enjoy the medal finish. Because the medal finish is like, 
it's almost a, a an accident. It's like a it's a one it's one day out of ten thousand days, right? So it's the other nine thousand. Most of your life is in the day to day, so you shouldn't sacrifice most of your life for like one podium finish, right? You know, like it it should be a thing that you enjoy for its own sake. Like you should you should do a thing where you enjoy the training so that. Because you the the po- the podium is not guaranteed, the medal is not guaranteed. You might not get it. So at least if it's something you love, and then you don't get the medal, you don't you don't beat yourself about it. Because you know most people are not gonna win Oscars, and most people are not gonna be president. Most people are not like those those outcomes are very rare. So you shouldn't you shouldn't hold your happiness hostage based on like the outcome, right? Like you should enjoy the process. And it does seem that very often the people who enjoy the process end up outperforming the people who don't anyway. So it's it's almost not even really a choice, right? It's like in, ask yourself what you enjoy and and try and spend time in that space. Yeah, that's well said. And yeah, like even if it was common like uh people just focus so much on the highlights and like the the very best parts like they see on Instagram rather than like the trade-off of like <laughs> getting the getting to those highlights. Yeah. You you talked a bit about uh, the bigger picture of like what you see as the the end goal of having more people be friendly, ambitious nerds. You want to talk a bit more about that. The thing about the thing about big goals is that they can be compelling. Like I mean, so ideally they they give you a big, audacious, like bold, ambitious vision to be excited about. But the the thing you want to be careful is not to be overly fixated on it because we don't actually know the future and we can't know things for sure. But yeah, how I like to think about it is, you know, I like to examine history. Like I'm a bit of a history nerd and I'm always curious to understand like, you know, how how has human progress historically played out? And, you know, it's tempting to think that human progress must have happened kind of in a steady upward trajectory. But if you actually look closely, it's not a steady climb you know it's it's very very sharp sudden bursts of progress in very small amounts of time and space so like you know during the renaissance in in florence and italy during the baghdad golden age when they invented algebra and chemistry and like the gupta golden age in india they were invent they invented zero right there are all these different uh you know during the enlightenment there's there's all these different clusters of space and time like you know during einstein's era when they were making a lot of progress in physics it's like there was a cluster of people who were all passionate and curious about the same things and they were all kind of in like connected to each other and so the more i i read up about these historical scenes right so even literary scenes like c.s lewis and J.R.R. tolkien and their friends they all hang out and i often find that whenever you you examine greatness in any domain you will almost always find that it was never a solo effort there was always like a cluster of people like often there's like one or two people who get the lion's share of the credit and the like accolades and and stuff but there's always multiple people you know like so einstein he would hang out at max planck's house and max planck would host house parties with his wife and like all the physicists would come and they would play violin and and sing and have dinner and all those things. So the idea there, if you examine enough history, it seems obvious that greatness happens when you cluster great people together. 
And so the vision here is to like find as many ambitious, friendly, curious people, friendly ambitious nerds basically, in in all over the world, right? Doing whatever it is that they're interested in. And then if we find, you know, a hundred thousand people like that all over the world, and then we can introduce them to each other in based on their specific interests. And then they can challenge and each other and collaborate and push each other. So earlier I was saying, you know, like be prolific, right? Like make a lot of stuff. The easiest way to make more stuff is if you have someone else who's also making stuff and also interested in the same thing as you. And then you like race each other, right? There's this great video of uh, Farrell Williams and Timberland, like the two like uh, music producers. Like they were both kind of like comparing the beats that each other made. And they both have such an encyclopedic knowledge of like the other person's beats because they're both such students of the craft and they, they care so much about making great beats. And like that creative rivalry between Farrell and Timberland, like that, you know, the average person listening to music on the radio might not even know who those producers are, but their rivalry shaped a lot of popular music in that like decade. And similarly, like there are all kinds of great things that happen in great scenes where a small, small group of people competing and collaborating with each other end up having this disproportionate outsized impact on the world, right? On, on first of all, I mean, in their domain, first of all, but like beyond it as well. You know, there's this, there's this letter that uh, Marshall McLuhan, he wrote to Ezra Pound in, I think it was in the 40s or 60s. I can never get the date right. But like they were talking about hey, how do we bring together a dozen talented people in, in our city, you know, like, like a really, really talented people and get them to just, just talk and, and share ideas and see what happens. And it's, it's kind of a sad letter to read because it, it, they make, Marshall makes it sound like they know some people, but they don't really know how to coordinate them because they're all over the place and they don't know, like those people don't know each other. And I'm always thinking, man, those people didn't have Twitter. They didn't have email. They didn't have YouTube. And they didn't have the opportunity to coordinate. But we do. We have the technology, right? So it's up to us to kind of make our predecessors' dreams come true, like to connect the best people in the world with each other. It's already kind of happening, which I'm, I'm grateful for, but like, I think we can accelerate it. I think we can be more deliberate in finding the best people that we know and introducing them to each other and just repeating that over and over again. And if we have, if we can get to like, you know, a million of the world's most talented, most curious, most ambitious people, and we can inspire them to like, challenge and inspire them to challenge and inspire each other, basically. Then we should see... Is it possible to like kind of deliberately encourage another golden age in our lifetimes? I think it should be, you know. And so like that's that's the bigger dream. Like, the bigger dream is if we get enough of the right people looking at the same things or looking at each other and challenging each other and really, you know, like dream big. You know, I I always I think there's a quote from uh, David Ogilvy where he says like compete for the strive for the company of immortals you know like don't just try to make money to i mean making money is cool but like what's cooler is if you can like advance the species in some way right if you can you can find a new way of i, I so and i'm not a scientist so i don't think i will be making scientific innovations in my lifetime but i do think that we can innovate 
on culture. So like part of this friendly ambitious nerd thing is really to cultivate this high openness, high trust um, culture in the commons where people are very encouraging and supportive of each other and kind of like people don't need to feel like they should you know keep their head down and not make a not make a mess and not upset anybody and be more of like hey let's just have 10,000 people 100,000 people who are just all super high functioning and encouraging and you know kind of like nudging each other to be the best versions of themselves and I know I mean I know that there are other people also doing other versions of this which is great like we can all just like combine forces and continually like network more and more of the, of the planet and uh, yeah I just want to do my part to accelerate that as much as I can that makes complete sense and yeah, I think whoever wasn't convinced uh, that they should become one should be convinced now and especially as you touched on like it's it's never been easier like all of these uh, people previously like these pockets of uh, action like it's been much harder to get because like you need to have people in proximity but now it's all so connected like you know you can gather people from across the world that are interested in this niche topic and uh, yeah thank you for coming on for finding time it's been uh, a lot of fun no worries this is fun for me too thank you for having me